This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Uh, Ephesians 6, verse 10. If you missed last week, we um, started a brand new series called Fit for the Fight. And I'm not here to spook you or, or scare you, but the reality is is that you are in a battle. The battle, although it's been won by God, ultimately is still real. There is a real serpent. There is a real snake. There is a real hater. He is an accuser, and his name is Satan. And he would love nothing more than to take you out. He would love nothing more than to get you to stop trusting in Jesus. Ephesians 6, Paul writes on how we can combat or withstand the scheme or the strategy of the evil. And watch what it says here, Ephesians 6. And that about wraps it up. God is strong and he wants you strong. So take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no afternoon athletic contest that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. Translation, we're not out in the backyard playing bump or playing horse. We're not just playing tennis. This is real. This matters. We are going to remember this. Watch what he says. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and all his angels. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when all it's over, when the whole thing's over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. I love that because the enemy wants you to get curled up in a ball, fetal position, crying, just binging Netflix. Who am I preaching to right now? Felt the holy gobs. Okay, so... When it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. I love that last line. God's word is an indispensable weapon. Now, last week we started with the mind that we are not going to let the enemy mess with our mind. And today I want to talk about the heart. The most important part of you is your heart. Your heart decides everything in your life. In fact, if you ever want to know what's in, in someone's heart, just listen to the words coming out of their mouth. Because your mouth will determine what's in your heart. There's the most important part of who you are is right here. And the enemy would love to discourage your heart, to, to give all kinds of lust and greed and insecurity in your heart. But God said put on the breastplate of righteousness to guard your heart. Oh, you ought to clap right now because we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun tonight. Come on, just clap a little bit louder. I don't even know what that was. I want to preach a message tonight. You can write down the title. It's called, You Can't Have Access to My Heart. What we, are, what we are saying to the enemy is you cannot have access to the most important part of who I am. I refuse to let you just walk in and walk out to the central core of who I am. 
Only God has access to my heart. You cannot have access to my heart. Amen to that? Come on, let's bow our heads and let's pray. Jesus, we thank you tonight that you are awesome. You are mighty, you are good, and you are amazing. We thank you that you are greater, you are stronger, and you are better than any enemy. We say that if you are for us, who can be against us? Right now, let your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. We trust in you, we look to you, and we will receive from you tonight. And Lord, as a church together, we thank you that next year, the finals will have the Lakers in it, and they will win the championship. This year, God, we thank you that we tank, we get a lottery pick. God, we believe a miracle. Give us Zion in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, y'all better clap right now and get some faith. Come on, I need all the faith. This year's a wrap. Come on, let's get some faith for next year. Um, you ever get locked out of your phone? Let me see your hand. You ever get locked out of your phone? Welcome to parenting. And my kids are always grabbing my phone. And I don't notice right away. Then I come to my phone. It's like I'm locked out for an hour. I'm like, what have you been doing all this time? Like, you know my passcode. How did you mess that up? Like, what in the world? It's amazing. Uh, this last week, my wife and I, we traveled to Colorado. We went to, to go uh, meet with about 150 pastors and, and ski. So it was work and it was fun. So we brought our kids and we went up to the mountains. And, man, your boy, you know, I don't have any ski gear, okay? I just, I don't, I don't have that kind of gear. So I reached out to a guy in our church that's from Austria. Y'all know Austrians be having some ski gear. So I reached out from this dude in our church. He's from Austria, and, and he's actually in Austria right now. So I hit him up. I was like, hey, man, I don't have ski gear. Is there any way I can borrow yours? He's like, absolutely. FaceTime me when you go to my house, and I'll show you where it is. So last Sunday, in between services, I go to his house, and I FaceTime him. He picks up from Austria, and he's like, all right, now, first thing you need to do is go to my gate, and let me give you the code to get into the gate to get onto my property. I was like, dang, you got it like that, huh? Wow, Austria balling out. So I get to his house, and, and, and he says, okay, here's the code, and hit pound sign. It'll open. So I hit the code in, hit the pound, and I can hear it, you know, unlock, and I walk in. I was like, wow, this is kind of, this is awesome. So I come up to the front door. He's like, okay, now there's a, a keypad on the front door, and let me, give you the key, let me give you the code for the front door now. I was like, wow, this is high-tech stuff. He's like, but this one, don't hit the pound. Hit, hit the check mark there on the top left, and, and what's going to happen is when you get into the house, um, you got 60 seconds to enter into another code, and if you can't get the code, the police are going to come. I was like, bro, I should have called a different friend. This is a lot, bro. This is not what I was signing up for. So, so I get up to the door, and he's like, okay, just try. I'm with you. I, you can see I'm panicking. He's like, I'm with you. I'm like, you're not Jesus. Stop. So, so I enter in the code, and I hit the check, and I walk in, and you ever have like an Airbnb situation where you walk into a house, and it starts, you know, you just hear it, just, but it feels like it's rapidly increasing. So I'm like, I'm now at the, the panel, and I'm like, I'm panicking. And he's like, just calm, stay, stay. So four digits away. Which one's away? Like, I just don't, I don't know what to do. So finally, I hit the four digits. I hit away. It goes silence. And I was like, man, I don't need your stuff anymore. I just want to go home. Like, I don't, I don't, this is too much for just some ski gear. I, I want to talk tonight about the reality of the enemy in your world. Some of us can't succeed until we put some locks, we put some guards, so the enemy can't have access to the most important part of who you are. 
Some of us just let Satan walk in and walk out as he pleases. He does what he wants. He plants seeds of discord, seeds of division, seeds of lust, seeds of greed, insecurity. And we wonder why we can't live well. It's because we can't guard our heart. Paul says amazing things in the message translation here. The first thing that he said that I noticed, he says, number one, God is strong and he wants you to be strong. Write that down tonight. God wants you to be strong. Like God wants you to be super strong. Like God wants you to be so strong that when you get up tomorrow, you are fit to go after the call that's on your life. If you are weak, depleted, discouraged, if you are dismayed, if you're overwhelmed, you just want to stay in bed all day. You just want to coast through life. Remember, law of opposite. God wants you to be strong. The devil wants you to be weak. I love being a sports fan, but the only thing I don't like about it is I'm rooting for one team. I'm loyal to one team, which means I root against another team. So when another team has discord or when they have division or when they get a trade or when someone gets injured, I root against them. So I'm happy when they're losing. The enemy would love nothing more for you to start losing, get injured, have discord, have dysfunction, have drama, have all kinds of issues because he knows God wants you to win, but the enemy wants you to lose. Just love that. God wants you to be strong. It's no better feeling. I work out once, twice a year. There's no. That was a lot. It's mean. It's aggressive. It's no better feeling walking out the gym like, I felt it one time. It's awesome. God wants you to be strong. I love when, when Joshua takes over from Moses. Moses had led Israel through out of slavery, come on, through the Red Sea, manna from heaven, pillar by night, cloud by, I mean, God was using Moses. When Joshua steps in, the first thing that God says is, Joshua, you need to be strong and you need to be courageous. You need to be strong. He's telling them, chapter 1, be strong and be courageous. Look here, Joshua 1, 7 and 9, as it comes on the screen, I love these thoughts. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. You are most like God when you're walking in strength. The enemy would love for you to bail out, get tired, get weary, get insecure, not want to go after your vision, after your dream, after your calling, after your city. When you're strong, you pursue. When you're weak, you bail out. You need to get some strength from heaven to pursue what God has for you. I love David. David's like, when I got my God confidence, I felt like I could do the impossible. Look at Psalm 18. Put it up. Psalm 18. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. What's he saying? I can do what I can't do normally with God. I can do the impossible. I can forgive somebody. I can love somebody. I can serve somebody. I can, come on, is there anybody thankful tonight that when I get God confidence and God strength in my natural, I want, I want to be weak, but I get God and I got strength. 
God is strong, and God wants you to be strong. If I were you, I'd start looking at the things that God wants for me, and I'd start walking in them. God wants me to be healed. I'll be healed. God wants me to be free. I will not give in to addiction. God wants me to be blessed. I will not be the tail. God wants me to be strong. I will not be weak. God wants me to be in community. I will not be in isolation. Come on. God wants me to be free. I will not serve some bottle. Somebody thank him right now. Whatever God wants for me, I'm going to walk in. God is strong. God is strong. God is very strong. God is mighty. God is powerful. God is strong, and he wants you to be strong. You're here tonight, you're like, the last thing I feel is strong. I feel tired. I need a nap. Now you need Jesus. Jesus is like, are you tired? Are you weary? Come to me. All those who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Translation, I will give you strength. God is strong, and he wants you to be strong. Paul continues in his thought. He said, this is not an afternoon. We're not just playing tennis with our buddies. We're not just throwing the you know, football around, playing you know, you know, a two-hand touch. No, this is life or death. This is for real. This thing's going to count. This matters. He said, so if I were you, I would take all the help I could get. Like, if you're really going to succeed at life, I would take all the help you can get. Write that down. Number two, you need to, you need to take all the help you can get. Like, if there's help out there, I want it. Pride says, I don't need help. I got this on my own. I don't need anybody. I don't need advice. I don't need your opinion. I don't need to be in community. No, I'm good on my own. That's the dumbest, stupidest thing I've ever heard. Because when you walk in humility, you realize how much you don't know, how much you don't have it figured out, and you're like, I need counsel, I need friends, I need community, I need worship, I need the Word of God, I need a YouTube, I need a podcast, I need a friend right now, I need a pastor, I need this. Come on, somebody thank him right now. When you walk in the humility and you understand what's at stake, you say, I'll take all the help I can get. Beggars cannot be choosers. When you beg for help, you're like, I'll take it any way I can get it. I'll take any sort of encouragement. You can text me encouragement. You can FaceTime me encouragement. You can call me. It doesn't matter. I just need all the help I can get. When you understand how evil and dark and how wicked, one thing I know about the enemy, he is powerful, he is wicked, and he is cunning. And so I understand that bad man pajama is trying to take me out. I need all the help I can get. And when you understand that, all of a sudden you're going, how can I get help? Who, who, who's going to help me? Who's, is there armor? There's armor I can put on? You know, there's armor? I'll put on the whole outfit. We took our kids up to, up to the mountain, and when my three-year-old and my five-year-old rocked up, my three-year-old ran straight to the snow, and he made a snowball, and then he threw it at his brother, and he started crying. Like immediately he just started crying. And I was like, you don't got your gloves on, huh? He's like, oh, I was like, I'm sorry, guys, we're from L.A. Look at it, look at it, little L.A. boy. <laughs> like, no shame. We're up on the ski lift going to the top of that mountain. I got the whole outfit on. I got the goggles, so when I ski down and the snow's in my face, I can see. I got the helmet on in case I fall. I've got the boots so I can st- be strapped into my skis. I've got the gloves on. I've got the big jacket on. Let me just show you a photo of us skiing. This is just, look at the little snow bunny. What? 
Look at this. Hey, look at this snow bunny. That's mom and dad right there. Look at that. Okay. Uh, but could you imagine? I'm like, ah, gloves, I'm, uh, I'll figure it out. Goggles, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. It's probably not going to snow. Oh, oh, helmet, I don't, I don't fall that much. I'm fine. Oh, oh, boots, yeah, these, I'd never lose my skis. I'm good. Like, I'm like, no, I need, all, I'll go to your house, get through the gate, the door, and the alarm. I need all the help I can get. God is saying to you tonight, you need to get help. You will not win this fight on your own. You need the full armor of God. You need community. You need church. You need the word. You need worship. You need friends. You need family. You need pastors. Somebody thank him right now that help is on the way because God loves you. You can't win this on your own. How foolish will you look going down the mountain of life without the gear God has provided? Picking up things, it's like, ah! wait, hold on, you, you tried to, what? You realize God's got gloves? What he's saying is, I don't have just a helmet for your mind, I have a breastplate for your heart. I want to guard the most important part of who you are. Your heart determines everything. So what did he put over our heart? It's amazing that truth is around our waist. Peace is on our feet. Faith is my shield, but over my heart, God chooses righteousness. Righteousness? Why do I need righteousness over my heart? Because the enemy wants to come into my heart and bring shame and guilt and accusation and discouragement. So in order for him not to have access to my heart, I put up as a shield, I am the righteousness of God. Yeah. Write down number three tonight. My righteousness is his righteousness. My righteousness is, so I grew up in church and I used to think that when we put on the righteousness of God, this is how my mind went. I put on righteousness, which means I put on my moral compass, which means I put on my works, which means I put on my good behavior, which means I am so Christian. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing that you could ever be stooped into believing. There is, you know, your righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. Like our little, our little Clivey yesterday in the car, he, he, he threw up. But he didn't do it like a little baby, like, mm. Like he did like a, whoa. I didn't know you, could, you had it like that. So our car stinky in the car seat. We got to take it out and just, and we clean, you know, all the rags. And you throw the rags over there. And you're right, as righteous as you could try and live. Your righteousness is as filthy rags. You're a sinner. You, you're going to make mistakes all day long. Put over your heart the breastplate of your moral Get out of here. Put over your heart the righteousness from Jesus. The righteousness that is received by the sacrifice and the life of Jesus Christ. So my righteousness is his righteousness. 
God loved me so much. Watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, put it up on the screen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says this. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Jesus hung on a cross. He became sin for me. When he died as sin, his righteousness became my righteousness. When God looks at me, he can't even see me. When God looks at me, he smiles because all he sees is Jesus. All he sees is the blood. All he sees is the sacrifice. He doesn't see last year. He doesn't see last month. He doesn't see last night. All God sees is righteousness. You ought to thank Jesus for dying in your place, becoming a sacrifice, becoming sin for you that you might become righteous before God. Now, I, gotta, I, I need you to understand something. There is a difference between imputed righteousness and imparted righteousness. Just stay with me one moment. Just Can I teach for just a second? Just watch this. Imputed righteousness means this is my standing before God. So no matter what my moral behavior is, no matter what I do, I am not righteous based upon behavior. I'm righteous based upon belief. So no matter what I do, I'm standing before God righteous. I'm standing before God. He's pleased with me. He's in love with me. He's happy with me. He's smiling at me. Why? All because of Jesus. That is imputed righteousness. It's my standing. Imparted righteousness has to do with my walking. That the righteousness of God, the grace of Jesus, is at work in me trying to elevate my thinking and elevate my living so I live a righteous life before God. So I do what's right. I do the godly thing. I walk in truth and I walk in justice. I've got imputed righteousness. I'm standing and God's working on my walking. Anybody thankful tonight that God is at work in you but it doesn't change your standing? Give him a praise like you know you are righteous before the throne of Jesus Christ. Woo! I get fired up because some of you think like, oh, I'm, I've been bad. I, I don't come that often. I, I, uh, I'm, I, I'm not, whoa, I'm not like into this stuff that much. So surely I'm not righteous. Who told you you weren't righteous? A serpent, a liar, a deceiver, an accuser. You're the righteousness of God. And can nobody deny you? Can nothing you do change it? If you believe in Jesus, you're standing before God, approved, loved, healed, sealed, delivered. You ought to praise him right now. Come on, I got some impartation that's working things out. But I got, come on, the imputed righteousness, I am the righteousness of God. If, if, you don't, if you don't grasp this, what will happen is you will come, it will just, let me just show you what the Bible says. The Bible's so good. First John chapter 3, verse 21 says that, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. The devil wants to condemn you. So you feel so icky and nasty and ugly that you come before God like, Hey, uh, I know we ain't talking in a while. <laughs> you, um, how you, how you been though? <laughs> I know, I know you, you, you are, you always good, huh? And, uh, and, uh, oh, I don't, I don't know how to start this. I really need a job. 
Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. I wonder if the reason why you are so un unconfident and insecure before God is that the devil's just condemning you. I love the Bible so much. Romans 8, chapter 1, chapter 8, verse 1. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm righteous. I'm righteous. And I'm not righteous based upon my works. My righteousness is works. Are like filthy rats. I'm righteous because another guy that loved me more than himself chose to die on a cross so that I might stand before God approved and loved as the righteousness of God. I'm thankful tonight for the Son of Man, Jesus Christ. Anybody else thankful that Jesus died in your place and made you righteous? Give him a praise right now like he's worthy of. So my righteousness is his righteousness. I stand before God and I put over my heart the breastplate of righteousness. Worship team, you can start to join me. And the reason why I do this is I put over my heart righteousness. It's amazing. He didn't say put righteousness over your mind. He didn't say put righteousness on your feet. He said put it over your heart because if you don't, you'll get condemned by the devil. The devil will mess with your heart. So you are now protected. Watch what happens. Write down the last thought. You are protected from shame, guilt, and constant attacks. This is what God wants to do. Hear me loud and clear. God is trying to protect your heart from shame and guilt and constant attacks. Just a heads up, I don't know how to encourage you in this, but the attack of the enemy is not going to happen once a month or once a year. It is constant. He's constantly going, how do I get him weaker? How do I get him defeated? How do I get him condemned? How do I use him? How do I make him feel guilty? How do I get him discouraged? How do I get him in the dumps? How do I get him offended? What can I do? How can I get him in lust? How can I get him in sexual perversion? What can I do? How can I, I'm a, this is the attack. And you will have your heart get discouraged if you don't put up a shield of righteousness. And I'm now protected from any constant attack of the enemy. You ever get a phone call from a solicitor? Tell the truth and shame the devil. You ever get a call? Why is it I feel like I can go weeks without hearing from nobody? And then one week it's like I get 10 calls. I'm like, do they just choose randomly a phone call? It's like, I'm, I'm going to get this number all week. We're going after this guy. You might feel like it keeps on ringing and it's Satan himself trying to deceive me, trying to stoop me, trying to discourage me, trying to get all up in my heart put up righteousness because I am saying shame you bully you have to stand out at the gate you cannot come into this house you will not you, shame you are not welcome in my heart you cannot have access shame and guilt are outside the gate like hey let us in we want to mess with you. We want to accuse you. We want you to feel awful. We know. We know. We're going to expose you. We're going to tell everybody. <laughs> Righteousness. Not going to shame me. You're not going to guilt me. You're not going to get to me right now. 
This is, I put a shield over my heart. It's called righteousness. I feel like this is for somebody. Stop letting the devil run in and out of your heart. Start letting the devil, come on, above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flows the issues of life. Come on, above all else, above everything you do, you ought to guard your heart. Stop letting the serpent accuse you. Stop letting the devil put you down. Stop letting Satan himself just run up and just mess with your heart. You're not doing it. Some of you are like, wow, this is like all of my life. I have been letting this guy mess with my heart. And so no wonder why I'm always, God, do you love me? Am I, am I good? Am I good enough? Are you real? It's this, this liar. Remember, the devil's natural tongue is lying. He is the master of lies. His first language is lying. You ever meet somebody that's good at lying? Do not point at them if they're here. Don't. Mad awkward. Someone in the back was like. He's so good at lying. He's just full of lies. God's over here going, I want you to be strong. I want you to be in my righteousness. I want you to be in my truth. Come bring all the worst part of you to me. I'll give you the best part of who I am. Try me. <laughs> Try me. Bring me your worst. I'll give you my best. Oh, the devil wants to point out how dirty and unclean you are? I already knew that. That's why I went to the cross. So your sins could be forgiven. You could be washed as white as snow. Come on, we ought to clap together and thank Jesus tonight. He is greater and he's bigger. I'm fit for my fight. I'm fit for my fight. Some of you are like, dang, I didn't even know I was in a fight. But now that you're saying it, it makes sense. You're describing things I feel most every day. Yeah. And God's over here going, I want you to be strong. I want you to put on the armor. I don't want you going down the mountain with no gloves and no goggles and no, I've got, I've got materials. I've got resource. I've got armor. Stand to your feet. I want to read these last scriptures to you. And I don't know a better way to describe it than these thoughts right here. Zechariah chapter number three. Zechariah, listen to what the prophet says. And I felt like this was exactly what God was saying to Zoe Church and what he was saying to us tonight. Listen to these words. It says, next, the messenger angel showed me the high priest Joshua. He was standing before God's angel when the accuser showed up to accuse him. Then God said to the accuser, I, God, rebuke you, accuser. <laughs> I rebuke you and I choose Jerusalem. Surprise! When I read that, I felt like that was for a whole bunch of people in our church. Surprise! God's getting ready to surprise you. God's, get, God's going to get you live a life of surprise. Where he's going to surprise you with opportunity. He's going to surprise you with relationship. He's going to surprise you with adventure. He's going to surprise you with blessing. Somebody get some faith right now. If you serve the God of shock, you serve the God of wow, you serve the God of, hey, surprise! 
Because the devil was standing there and just thinking, I got him. I'm here to accuse. God shows up. Surprise! I'm not going to let you mess with my guy Joshua. I'm standing in the way. You got to go somewhere, accuser. Surprise! You got to just be somewhere this week in your car be like, surprise! Okay, maybe just me. What is the scripture? Go put it up on the screen. Standing before the angel was dressed in dirty clothes. The angel spoke to his attendants. Get him out of those filthy clothes. And then said to Joshua, look, I've stripped you of your sin and dressed you up in clean clothes. Come on, anybody thankful tonight? that God had prepared some clean clothes. He had prepared some righteousness. He says, bring me your worth. Bring me your dirt. Bring me everything that you've got. I'll give you my best. Come on, bring me the lies of the enemy. I'll give you the truth of who you are. Bring me your anxiety. I'll give you my peace right now. Give me your sickness. I'll give you my healing. Give me, give me your addiction. I've got freedom for you. Give me your weakness. I'll give you my strength. Somebody praise him right now. He's given an exchange.